Hi, I'm Liam Ford, founder and CEO of The Zone, and welcome to The Zone Way podcast. The Zone Way podcast is a deep dive with my guests into leadership and organizations. It reflects our work together over the last 25 years in more than 35 countries. My guests bring the richness and authenticity of lived experience that ripples beyond textbooks into our everyday lives, illuminating the challenges, the celebrations, successes and failures we will all face. The Zone Way is a philosophy, a methodology and a set of tools to create enlightened leaders and enlightened organizations. Welcome and enjoy. Today I'm talking to Michael Hartley, a serial entrepreneur and someone I think epitomizes the Kiwi spirit of the number eight wire mentality, which is all about making the most of what you've got. Forces creativity, it forces you to think outside the box, and it forces you to experiment. And that's really the heart of creativity. So his has been a 35 year journey to date of leadership spanning multiple generations from baby boomers through to Gen Z. And he shares quite a few pearls of wisdom. That was a really enjoyable podcast to do. So sit back and enjoy and see you on the other side. Hey, Michael, welcome to the Zone Way podcast. And this is pretty special for me because, you know, before we jumped on here, we were chatting about like, how far back how far back do we go? Yeah, and, totally. and it was like 1993. Yeah. And that's embarrassingly 28 years. <laughs> and wow. So and we, both, we both look young. We both look young. Thank God for that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's because of the work we do, but that's another thing. Yeah. So, so I just really wanted to say, hey, thanks, thanks for coming on. It's really special. And talk a little bit about your journey because what people love to hear is these journeys that people have been on. And you've been, you've been a CEO, you've been a very young CEO, and you've been an entrepreneur. And you, I mean, you have, you have had an amazing, amazing journey and, at the same time, you've brought up a beautiful family who have, you know, you've, you've created, you know, kids I know personally that are really going to contribute positively to the world. So, you know, through that journey, you've done an amazing job. So I wanted just to sort of, you know, hear from you and talk about your personal journey and the ups and downs, you know, the textbook straight line doesn't exist as we know. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. so the floor is yours. Well, that's um, it's a pretty big upslam, and it brings a tear to the eye. Yeah, I, I think, gosh, my journey is yeah, you're absolutely right. It's um, it's definitely not textbook, and it's definitely not linear. And I think you do you do wind up like you and I, 28, 30 years on, we're looking back, and we've got this, we've got a lot of scar tissue, we've got some good memories, some good stories. You know, that all comes from from I guess having a go. And you know, I remember, so you know. I started at Lion Nathan on their graduate program. I did two, three years there when Kevin Roberts ran it and it was all a bit insane and a bit of fun and it was, you know, a hell of a place for a young guy to start and got the opportunity to go and work for a company called QED and I got asked to go and meet this recruiter guy or I thought it was recruitment in Mount Eden. So I roll onto this this place and, and uh, go to this house and it was a pretty funky looking house and this guy came out and had a bit of long hair and he looked all right and hi, I'm Liam Ford. It's like, yeah, really? Hey, Liam, I'm Michael. And, and that was kind of, yeah, what did we say? That was November two, uh, 1993 probably or thereabouts. And 
you put me through a barrage of psychometric testing and I didn't know what psychometric testing was. And I went through it and I, as we're doing it, I'm sitting there looking at this stuff and this is pretty cool technology, really. These, these are good questions. And then there was a bit where it was about IQ and I just was half asleep or I didn't care. And uh, I think I came out with an 80. You know, the chances I could tie my shoelaces as the result of your test were pretty, pretty low. And and you said to me afterwards, you said, you know, testing's good. This is the sort of profile. And you, you had a commentary on my recreational activities and those sort of things. And you went, but your IQ is really low. How did you get your master's degree? And I remember looking at you going, so you think your silly test is more important than six years at university with honours and, and masters and a thesis? And, and it was kind of one of those moments <laughs> where you went, yeah, okay. No, God. So it was it was fun. And um, you didn't throw me out. And, and I did get the job. And that sort of started a pretty cool relationship where – I got into this this software business and um, with some pretty talented people, and I didn't know much about software, although we bought a lot. I hadn't used a lot, and and learning how to work with engineering teams and how to recruit people and what it meant to sell software and how much margin we could really make on it. And I think I can't remember how long, but maybe two or three months in the journey, I called you up and and we started in you know, the zone back then, or whatever company it was called, and and really you you wrote alongside me all the way of how we recruited people, how we use psychometrics psychometrics to work out our deployment strategies, what sort of how we work better together, where our strategies were. And it was really fun time for me. And as and as a you know young GM girl development manager, then GM growing up, it was great to be exposed to this world of humans and value and, and those sort of things. And you know, take nothing away from Lion, but it wasn't rich in those cultures. So so it was it was fun. And uh, you know, and then we did a um, did a management buyout, and you were there through some of that as well. And uh, and I think in the first twelve months of the management buyout, I learned more than I'm going to learn the rest of my whole life. It was it was we did everything wrong, like everything, and yet somehow we managed to to pull the iron from the fire, and went on to build a, a company that we fu- that got funded, and we we were selling software around the world and stuff. And and that was. Yeah, that was a real journey. And I think at one point we got up to about 80 staff. And I think the zone probably had recruited or been involved in the recruitment of about half of that staff. And that, and that was cool. And, and so, and, and I think there was that mechanical idea that, you know, you could look at, you know, whether it was Myers-Briggs or whether it was one of the other technologies we were using and looking at how we build teams. And yeah, I think we were really ahead of ourselves. And I think that's down to you. I mean, the, the tech you had there was really cool. Um, and the people were really good. There's some great coaches, great facilitators. So, yeah, I think that part of the journey was interesting. We did manage to dot-com that thing and blew it into a million bits, which is great. Um, <laughs> everyone should do that once in their lives. Yeah, and and walking out the door with a shirt on your back, but not really, is is uh, it's a thing. And so I think I was 29 when we started that thing. I was probably 32 or 33 when we blew it up. And that was a moment. And that was sort of the big coming down to earth for me. And... And after that, we started. A, a guy, I was hired as a CEO of another company, um, Econ's Wireless, and and I walked in the door, and and Rolly had been this, this entrepreneur, and and I looked in his eyes, and I went, oh, I know that look, <laughs> I so know that look, <laughs> and you know it was like frying pan fire moment, and but it was great. I mean, I you know we built a really cool company. Um, Rolly's become a really really good friend. We're, we're great friends today. We're still in business together, but. Yeah, I remember thinking, oh, wow, I didn't expect to be able to apply all the things I learned in the last four years so quickly. And it was. It was really good. Um, it, it was all th- sorts of things. It was like how we did channel, how we did people, how we, re- how we rescoped the business, what we did internationally, what we did domestically. And and e- Econ's was amazing. It had this, this really strong heart in the centre of it. And Rolly had never 
sat down to work out why he had the people around him he had. And then you walk in there and, it, you know, again, from the, the involvement you and I had, you could just look at it and go, yeah, no, this, this thing's got culture. It doesn't know it's got culture. It doesn't know what the culture is, but it's really got culture. And mm. it was very engineering, very um, number at wire in the top pocket. Anything was, was a go. We could try anything. And the customers that Rolly had gathered around him, these were big names. They trusted him to have a go. And they'd been trusting him to have a go for millennial. It was, it was great. So, yeah, I, mean, I think there's, there's quite a bit in that journey. And we took that company to the States. We managed... I mean, there's, there's some great stories in there, but but some of my favourites are. Um, so we were involved in the America's Cup project, and we did the data that pulled everything off off the water. And, and Craig Meek and Virtual Spectator, and they took all the glory because they built the front end. And there's a there's a story in that. But but we did the hard yards of pulling the data literally off the yachts into a private CDMA network, cellular network, and then shipping it to the servers so it could go up on Virtual Spectator. And so we did that. And telecom were big fans because we were using their tech. And through them, we got in touch with a little company called Qualcomm. And Qualcomm said, man, we love what you guys do. What else do you do? And we just built this product called eService, which was a field force automation thing for, for telecom and a few other customers. And uh, we, we went and said, oh, we'll show you this. And we showed it to them. And they went, wow. And when can you be in the States? And we're like, Wednesday. So we wound up in this, this trade show a big one in, in Vegas, which was which was again another story in itself. And we got up there and my my CTO partner, John and I, we were there and got in front of this guy, Mike Shearer, who later on became a good friend and he was he was VZW's so Verizon Wireless. He was their head of product effectively for the wall gardens. They they both procured apps and sold them inside their wall garden and very different from Europe. So Mike looked at our thing, we got the ups in Qualcomm and he said, Man, this is this is off the dial. Can you guys do this in brew? And John's there and he goes no problems. Michael's and he said, "Okay, I'll see you in I'll see you in San Diego in in four weeks. I, I want to see it running on Brew, and we'll put you in the in the top five. And we're like, excellent. And I looked at I looked at John as Mike walked down the room. So he had no idea what Brew is. He's no idea at all. <laughs> so and this is going to early days ago. We, we quickly found out that it's it was Qualcomm's proprietary version of C for their phones, binary runtime environment for wireless. And so Brew was so we got hold of the guys back in New Zealand, and before we landed couple of our developers had hacked up version one in brew and so like you know that was that was a bit of a moment you know there's new technology new everything good engine and that and that was you know econ's had this such strong engineering heart you know and then um we got up to qualcomm that two three weeks later we're staying to mate's place brent agar in la and we'd had a couple of nights out in newport and we're getting ready to go down to to san diego to do this pitch and we woke up in the morning just a little dusty and ready to go. And, and Clarkson's sitting in the back seat. Brent's driving. I'm in the front. And we're heading down there and it's getting hotter and we're all getting a bit nervous. And John is just grilling me on what I'm going to be saying for 15 minutes. Like he just would not get up. So I think the drive's about an hour and a half. I must have gone over that presentation 20 times in the time I got there. So so we get in the room. We get up and as, as all great plans. And uh, I'm ready to go. I could have done it with my eyes closed. And they open up with these series of questions and immediately I'm off script, right? I just cannot get back. I'm trying to get back to script, cannot get back to script. John's looking at me and I'm like, gosh, I don't know, I know. Anyway, so we got to the end of it. Mike comes up to us afterwards and goes, that's probably one of the best presentations we've seen in a long time. You guys really know your stuff. And I'm sitting like, oh, you had no idea. And um, we got invited on, on, that was the start of a pretty cool journey, right? And, and we got inside of Verizon Wireless and we wound up taking the company to the States. And yeah, and that, that, was, that was really, really good. And I think, you know, looking back on those days now, I mean, it's it's just the buzz of 
having such a good team around you and getting to stand in front of them and and be able to play out a strategy and meet with some great people and form really good relationships and, and just sort of hold on tight, you know. And, and yeah, it was a really, really cool journey. I enjoyed that a hell of a lot. And, it, and it's like, like as you're saying, like it's, it's relationships, huh? I mean, you know, that's, yeah. if you listen to that story, you know, there's so many enduring relationships that you've created and they're fun and they're challenging and, but you've got to be good. You can't be, you can't be bad. <laughs> you've got to know your yeah. staff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's those relationships that allow you to, you know, take the knocks, the ups and downs, because you're never going to be always winning. You're never going to be always losing, you know, but there's always going to be a combination in there. So it's really, really great to hear that that's, that's really, you know, it's a great message for people listening. That Yeah, and I think, I mean, one of the things I've been lucky with in everything I've done in technology, because I'm not a technologist, I'm, I've got an MA honours degree in geography and politics, right? But I've always had a really good CTO alongside me, you know, Barry back in the econ day and the QED days and, and, and John for the last 20 years. The thing that if you're going to work, work in the world of this technology space, you need to know your craft, you need to know your technology, you need to know you don't know it. And so finding a really, really good CTO, CIO, you know, you just can't be understated. And I think, you know, I've, I've done a little bit of mentoring more recently with other, you know, startups and, and companies getting on and going. And you know, the same thing I'll say to people like me is, is like just find the best technologist you can and hold on tight. You know, if you get someone you trust and you can work together and you can do anything, then that's how you build a business in technology. Um, and you look at you know, all the big all the big ones. I mean, they all start with, you know, the guys that run alongside the big names. There's always a, a strong CTO not very far away. And that, you know, you can keep naming names all of it, but it, it sort of doesn't need to be done. You just go like that. That is something you need to do. And I think... When you and I, when you and I worked together the first time around, one of the things that I took away from it is engineers are strange. And I think one of the things that you need to do when you're running a technology company is understand that engineers are strange and they're incredibly powerful, deep thinking, amazing people. But you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna light a bar up. They're not gonna you know go and ask that woman for a drink. They're you know they're not they're just not gonna do that. But they've got all this value. So what you need to do in your relationships is learn really quickly how to create a safe space for them, give them value, give them throughput, give them the tools and the opportunities to be the best they can be. But at the same time, understand that, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship. You, know, you, you need to be, you need to be there for them. They need to be there for you. And, and I mean, it's a gross generalizations, obviously, and, you know, humans, humans relationships are much more detailed than that. But, but uh, yeah, it, to me, that's a, a really big thing. Mm. Um, so it's, it's like making sure that they feel like they're valued. Even if they're, even if the way that they run their their, their personality is different to yours, you're yeah, valuing that diversity and that strength and that depth, and it's not you're not you're not looking for a cookie cutters. So yeah, yeah, and I think you know going back to Myers Briggs because it's a relatively easy co- um, construct to understand, right? That you know if you're an ENTJ or in your case an ENTP, you two of us we'll, we'll just go out there and tear shit up, right? It's what we do, and you'll throw more balls in the air than I will. I'll catch more, but. You know, it's the guys you bring alongside you. You're like, my head of engineering is never going to be an NTJ. You know, they're, they're never going to be like that. They're going to be ISTJ or something, something in, in one of the other quadrants. And and you're going to recognize that, you know, you're going to piss them off and they're not going to tell you, you know, and, and that sort of stuff. And you've got to build. I think that's probably what I got out of the, that early engagement with you and I was that humans are different. You know, businesses should be made up of lots of different types of humans and you need to be able to work in and across that that human landscape, you know, and you can't just hang out with guys like you. You've got to hang out with the whole spectrum, and I mean that's 
that's true of anything, whether it's a rugby team or, you know, or anything, you kind of get used to that. Yeah. What, what about, because you, you were a CEO really young and then you sort of transitioned with your next business into more of a partnership model and now you're yeah. back to being a CEO. What, what yeah. was that journey like? Because that, you know, not a lot of people pivot like that and then pivot back. So what, what's, what's some lessons you've learned through that phase? Well, firstly, I was lucky. I, I got the chance to do it. Not, so it's not, this wasn't some grand design. It was sort of just the way it happened. Yeah, when we finished at Econs, I'd been on the road for 15 years. I mean, a gold elite every year. Not quite as much travel as you, but it was up there. And my kids were, I can't remember now, maybe eight and 10, some number like that. And and it just, it felt like I'd really spent a long time away. And I was, so I was sick of the travel. I was sick of not seeing my kids, if I was really honest about it. And my wife and just all those things together. But also... Um, you know, it's that knock on a door on a Sunday afternoon, taxi's ready to take you away, you're not back for two weeks, your suitcase is packed, you know, and you come back and you swear the kids are bigger than when you left sort of thing. So that was a strong motivator. The other thing was that, you know, we've been using venture capital, boards, other people's money, M&A. We'd done all of that for 10, 15 years. And it has a way to burn you out. It has a way to challenge you internally. And, and I think I was lucky enough to sort of TRB, I'll go, you know what, I'm not sure I want to do this again. I'm not ready for round three. You know, I've done rounds one and two and I've had different levels of success and lots of experience, lots of wisdom. Don't regret a moment, but I'm not sure I want to do it again. And so John, who was my CTO of the previous business, he and I and a guy, Greg, we got together and created a partnership. And John and I had this theory that software development was going to move into front end first. So at that point it had all been back end first. And so it moves to user experiences, everything. And that was in 2007. So yeah, and and I, I wasn't ready to do the hierarchical thing again. Um, I didn't want to raise any money and we didn't need to. We had enough to get ourselves started. And so the three of us built a partnership, which was a company called Rad3. And Rad, we just cut off the internet one day. It didn't it didn't stand for anything, but we made it stand for rich application development. And the three was the three of us. And we got the dot com. So that was cool, and and it took me, honestly, it took me about eighteen months to be able to transition from this situation where you're always planning, you're getting board approval, you're taking that approval, you're raising your funds, you're bringing your team along for the ride, you're really focused, you're just doing, doing, doing it to like, yeah, basically you're doing whatever the next customer wants. You've got to have a committee meeting to buy a stapler, you know, going taking your three of you going to the pub is a big gig, you know, it's just. Everything changed, you know, and each month you're managing cash flow is the most important thing. Customer relationships. We had this thing when we started, which I think we actually kept going probably for the whole time, which was we're not going to hire anyone we don't want to have a beer with. We're not going to sell them anyone we don't want to have a beer with. And we're always going to want to have a beer with one another. And that was kind of a, it was kind of a cultural thing. Um, we never got that, that business. I think at most we had 12 people. We had some good customers. I mean, Mahi FX, they're a rock star foreign exchange company. We built their first front end, and we're with them for eight or nine years. David and Susan and the team, they're amazing people. DHL, so we were we built the front end of DHL's back ends, you know, pushing the whole lot of line of business systems into one front end, which was really cool. And and the guys in New Zealand had the, the New Zealand DHL guys had the strength of purpose to select a little New Zealand company of literally three guys and, and some developers and to build out their front end for their global play, which we did, which was really cool. And, and don't forget, don't forget you built my... My website too, right? The Zone website, which was awesome, by the way. Yeah, it was so cool. We we did a bunch of things where we had guys like yourself who'd, hey, Michael, I, I want to do a website. And it's like, show us what you got. Said, oh, God. And and you just do the next version, right? And and that was, 
and Greg was, and we were very, you know, I think one of our things was we believed in beautiful design and we believed that software should be beautiful to use. And so if you used a RAD3 solution, it felt really good to use. And that was our thing, you know, and, and we tried to put the workflow into the UX as much as we could. And now that's passe. Now everyone does it. And there's books written on how to do it. But back then in the B2B space, business to business, it just was, you know, it was revolutionary is not the right word, but it was, it was unique. And we had a, we had a USP and we, we traded on that really, really well. And for me personally, it took me a long time to learn to operate as a partner, to learn that my skill was business development and that I didn't need to have, and I managed the numbers as well. But, you know, on the whole, I, I just had to get shit done. And for the first 18 months, I overpowered their job. And, and after that period, I sort of worked out, so actually, you know what, maybe I'll go on the school camp and, and maybe I'll meet my mate at the golf course on Friday to play a game. And, you know, and so, so all of a sudden I started bringing lifestyle back in and it was like this, this gap that was left from all the things a CEO does. You did have to do a lot less of that as a part. You, you gave up control, you gave up influence, you gave up strategy, but you got all this time back. And so I started to use that time personally to be a better father, to be a better husband, Debatable about last point, Joe might have a different view, but but it's kind of like you get through those things and then I think ultimately you become a better human being. So, yeah, and then scroll forward 12 years, we got to the end of sort of Rad 3's natural journey and the last year we were, you could feel the three of us were pulling in different directions. We made good money, we were making good money, we were good clients, we'd middle, done everything we wanted to do. But it sort of had this use-by date Without us saying it had a use-by date, it just naturally came to a conclusion, you know. Um, if it was a marriage, you call it your seven-year your seven year moment, right? And But what we did, which I thought was pretty clever, we said to one another, look, if we keep doing what we're doing, then in seven years' time or ten years' time, we're still going to be looking at one another going, you know, what else are you going to do? And and so we didn't, you know, we were all getting older, but we were also, we had nothing left to prove. We, we'd done it. And so we went, yeah, what's next? And even one door one was we'd leave. We'd just get, all go off and do our own things. And I think that would have been a, a real tragedy, but it would have been a pretty healthy outcome too. Mm-hmm. I think that was we had some balance. But we were lucky and we created our luck in that we brought two products together, one in food safety, one in health and safety, and we created a, a platform which is Comply Pro. And we took everything we'd learned in the last 20 years and we built a new company and we brought people to it. And I went back to being... CEO, John went back to being CTO, Greg's head of product. We brought in some real talent alongside us. We're back at 24 staff, 1,800 clients. We're on the go. We haven't yet left the country. I've only done one business trip in three years, and so still doing that. But my kids don't need me anymore. And and so, it's yeah, it's it's, it's a thing. And I, I think, so to your point, being lucky enough to be a young CEO, having done things for you know, 12, 13 years, then going into what was a pretty successful partnership with you know, two really high quality guys and then being able to take that partnership and turn it into what I'm really hoping is a pretty high quality business. That's a pretty lucky journey. And I think, you know, I know you told me not to talk about technology, so I'm free not really trying not to. But software as a service, which is our <laughs> gig, has just got so mature. And things we were doing 15 years ago because no one else was doing it is now passe. But the sort of guys we are, we go, look, someone else has built it, let's use that. And so... The guys like you know HubSpot and Stripe and all the technology pillars we now use, ProfitWell, et cetera, you know, the, it's really, if you follow the rule book accurately, it's not easy. It's, I'm not saying that for a moment, but it is more formulaic these days to build a successful software as a service company than it ever was before. And 
I was in this call the other day and people were talking about venture capital, what are they looking for in the software as a service space? Well, when I was walking Sand Hill Road 20 years ago with either one of the companies and we were raising cash, raised cash in the UK and the States, Australia, and you go to these rooms and you always get the shit kicked out of you, but that was kind of given. And they were always about people, you know, it was people, people, people. And, and, and the thing with VC back then is that what real estate is to McDonald's, people is to VC. It was kind of the play. So you told a story and if they liked you, you were sort of halfway through the process. Today, in the software as a service world, it's all about metrics. Because we can measure our companies down to the nth degree that, you know, we've got lifetime values, we've got, you know, our GM, we can do any we can do any calculation on the fly from our metrics that VCs, exits, M&A are all about the metrics. You know, what's your LTV, what's your churn, what's your, what's your, general, your gross margins, you know, what's your growth rate. You can just pull the numbers together and, and you – You've got to present on numbers before you present on people or anything else, which is really interesting how things have, how things have matured. I think it's a bummer in some ways because if you've got, you know, you or I, we probably can sell ourselves pretty well. And so that that skill is muted now. It's nowhere near as strong. What you're now seeing down and saying is actually these are the numbers and then you sell yourself. So it is, um, it mm, kind of interesting. Right. And so mm. to bring this back to the zone, I think one of the things that's, the numbers don't happen magically. They happen by building really good companies. So one of the numbers that you monitor most in software, or I monitor most in software as a service, is churn. And so churn is, you know, it's, it's very important for a lot of companies, but it's super important in software as a service. And you can influence churn, obviously, by better product, better pricing, better product market fit, et cetera. But one of the most important things about it is your customer success. It's how well your people who work with your customers keep them on the straight and narrow. You know, how much they stand in the space for customer advocacy, how they use your tools to keep your customers happy. And yeah, so and that is a human thing, you know. I mean, yes, we abstract it into tools like Help Scout and others, but fundamentally how you write it. And there's a big thing going on in the whole software as a service community that the voice you use is different. Your customer service voice, your your the voice of your organization has to be incredibly approachable, very neutral. You know, you, you just got it's 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 just so positive. And, and and I think from a culture's value growth point of view, that that really is center and core. I mean, we're we you know when you and I started way back when in these hierarchical relationships, where you know quite frankly some of the the HR practices would we'd call them bullying today. None of that gets past muster now. And, and you know, you, you've just got to be so good. And and then that, and if you're good with your people, then that that goes out to your customers and that and that you see that in churn, you see that in LCV, you know, and you see that in growth. And, and so you you it's really interesting just how much that has become manifest, you know, as we were saying before, it's 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 cultures and values now today, at least in my world, is more object than it's ever been before. There's no longer an abstract thing. So mm, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good for good for people to hear. Sort of last question on the journey is because you started in the nineties, and you know you started with with what then Lion Nathan, which is yeah. for those listening overseas was a was a massive and very successful New Zealand business. You know, it was touted as as a bit of a star child, and it did invest a lot in people. It did invest a lot in, in people development, and you know, and the CEO was sort of quite enlightened in that. In that level, I mean, you know, sure, yeah. they wanted the profits. You know, it wasn't necessarily always, a, you know, humanistically based, but the purpose beyond just making money. But 
But now we cycle forward. So, you know, you've been through the sort of the baby boomers, the Gen X, Gen Y, and now moving into Gen Z. What's your narrative on on that change that you've seen as a leader, as a CEO, as a, a, you know, a buddy at work? I mean, it's really interesting chat, right? I think, so our youngest guy is in the team at 21. And we've got, when we started Comply Pro, I think our average age was like 44, but no one was 44. They're either 25 or, or 50 something. And now the average age is closer to 35. And all of our recent hires are under 30. So we are picking up young and younger people, but we're getting, I mean, it's passe, the digital native, but it's not about digital nativity. It's, it's, it's much more about the way they relate to one another, the way they think about business, the fact that they are, they're much less bound by the limits that we were, you know. When I was at Lion, I still remember people calling people Mr. and you know, stuff, and it doesn't happen anymore. And so it's not that there's no respect at all. I mean, there's huge respect from our team for one another, but but you just might, the structures are a lot flatter, the communication's a lot better. We use things like Slack. And yeah, and you just, the culture is, I mean, Lion, the, you know, choose Lion. I mean, Lion, the culture was very much top down, right? You know, we had, we wrote, Roberts was on this mission. We were all part of the mission. You know, it was, you know, it was Battleship Roberts and you're all on board. But I think, I think our culture, to a large extent, these these new companies, we come bottom up. Culture is always some of the parts, right? But I think the younger people coming through really determine what that means. And, and it's a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, like our languaging, you, you get rid of all of the misogyny, you get rid of all of, I mean, wouldn't say you're rid of the swearing, but you, you definitely are conscious of how you language things, how you, there's a lot more praise. And praise is not expected, you know, nor should it ever be, but, but you're some sort of moron if you're not praising your team, right? I mean, bottom line is you've either hired idiots or you're an idiot if you're not praising the people who work for you. And, and, and I think praise is not, it should never be, um, loose. I mean, praise should be accurate. Hey, really well done that last meeting. I enjoyed your comment about. You know, and and so accurate, timely in the moment. I think I got that from you. That that whenever you do praise, it's like, <laughs> yeah, you, you learned well, Michael. <laughs> so the yeah, in the moment, accurate on time, and then I see the Gen Zs doing it to one another, right? And, and that's cool, right? You know, big ups, such and such for doing so and so. Hey, that was a good deal. And, and so you're not getting this. Uh, look, I mean, the, I could be wrong about this, and and when the team listens to this, go, Michael, what were you thinking? But but I. I don't feel like my team competes with one another, right? I, I don't feel like you're trying to stick the knife in. I mean, you know, some corporates, you get so confused, you start stabbing one another in the, in the front, right? And it's, I think we don't have that. We we really have. And uh, actually, one of the interesting things, didn't tell you this before, but so when I ran sales teams back in the day, you you know, you have as well, you do a lot of commission-based work. So you, you, you pay a guy a base, which is just slightly above the grocery bill, and then you – you know, mate, if you do well this year, you can earn another hundred grand, you can do this, you do that. And you you, you develop this real, uh, what was that book? Um, Don't fire them, fire them up and people like that, Frank Pacetta. And you see, so we all followed that school of thought. So without any real design, when we built Comply Pro, we decided never to pay commission. And I don't know that it'll last forever, but it's actually done pretty well so far. And so we've got a really well-performing sales team. I mean, this month, lockdown, HOSPO, we did 40 new pieces of business in November. So yay. And we're not doing it on commission base. We're doing it on team, on a spread of core, on all of us working for a target. And we're very target focused. You know, that's, that's how we live. But we've got an employee share ownership program. We're going to spread the wealth. We get an exit. Everyone wins. You know, I, I have this idea that, I mean, probably not true anymore, but it was a few years ago that 
anyone who works for us, if we get a decent exit, you get a freehold house in Auckland. That's kind of my was kind of my one liner. But house prices have moved up a bit. So so I think I think um, so now you get a deposit. But it's it's sort uh, of a um, I'll I'll be on that scheme. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, so I think. That is a that's a real feature of this generation. That what used to motivate is different. I think they're self motivating, they're flat structured, um, and I think that these guys that I'm working with today, they will I really hope will go on to be the rock stars of tomorrow. I mean, that that's my goal for them, you know. And there's not one person in our team today, a that I wouldn't want that for, and b that that I think are not capable of. I think they're all capable of it. They're different parts of their growth. They've got different strengths and weaknesses. Everyone's on their own journey. But yeah, hire a team of rock stars. One of the other things just to add to that is that we all read a lot about how hard it is to find talent in New Zealand. And it really is. I mean, it's really hard to find talent. And you know, unemployment's what, 3.6%. It's the lowest it's been since you and I met, right? But we're using our networks unashamedly. So we've got, when I started in business, you'd never hire friends and family. You, you know, if you, you'd never go to dinner with a work colleague, you know, that was, that was no, you know, you're, that's work, this is life, you know. And we've broken that mold entirely. I mean, I had a 55th birthday party this year and everyone in that room, not quite everyone in that room, but 50% of the people in that room I was in business with, business with at the moment, right? And so we work our network pretty hard. We've got a strong spread of core. I guess really honestly, we're probably in that position where we're transitioning from a, a social drinking culture, which we think is a company culture, the banking is actually a company culture, which is you know, we'll engage with the zone and we'll do that right. But, but yeah, I think um, that's really important these days. When hire, there's nothing wrong from hiring within the whanau, within the network, within the people that you, you've known forever. I think that's, that's the way to build these high-performing companies. And, you know, in the States, they do it all day long, right? In New Zealand, we just have this weird thing that, you know, you shouldn't, shouldn't hire friends and family. And so we do it all day long. Mm. That's really interesting. Yeah. So thanks before we sort of sign off is how do people get in touch with you and what sort of customers or people or, or team members do you want to hire? Because it sounds like you've got a pretty cool culture. So I'm sure if anyone's listened to this and they're into technology, they'll give you a bell if they're looking for a role. But what sort of customers do you do you want? You know, and how do people get in touch with you? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, our products, safepoopro.com and sideappro.com, we'll put them up in the, in the feed. We're, our products are very specific. You know, we, we have health and safety and construction industry and and you go to the website, you look at it and if it's for you, you're going to buy it. And if it's not for you, that's fine too. And likewise in the hospital game, you know, we've we've got 1,400 hospital clients, give or take a bit. We've managed to score some really big ones lately, which can't talk about, but, you know, if you buy groceries in New Zealand, you're probably going to go to one of them. So so it's kind of, <laughs> um, yeah, we, we've we got some good customers. Those two products are, are where you go. Um Comply Pro is our company name. Uh, that's kind of, um, and that you know, we'll do a bit more branding work on that, and we'll bring bring that out. We've we've pushed product before company, which I think has worked really well for us because our, the SaaS client today is really interested in functionality, product purchase. They don't want all the trappings; they just want something that solves a problem. You know, I want I, I want to buy a pencil and that sort of thing. So we we do that well. In terms of our business, yeah, look, I mean, absolutely, I mean. Always interested to talk to people, always interested to understand where the up-and-coming guys are. Love networking. We do a lot of it. And our networks are pretty wide. And I would say that, you know, with 23, 24 people in the team, but if you include all, our, all the people we work with, you know, subcontractors and, and all the influences in our business, you're probably more like 50. Mm. So it's, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good base from that point of view. And, yeah, like, I mean, 
hopefully we'll keep growing. Um, we've got, you know, we're in Australia, we've got clients in the Middle East, United States, UK. We're growing all those directions. So, yeah, watch the space. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of good. That's great. And then something for, for you know, maybe, maybe the listeners who they're starting off, that, that doesn't mean to say that they could be young because it could yeah. be someone, you know, like mature who's going, hey, I'm done with the corporate world or I'm done with this or I've had my family and I want to start something cool. Yeah. I want to give back. I want to make an impact. You know, if there's one piece of wisdom, to, and I know this is hard, <laughs> getting it down to one piece, yeah. but, you know, particularly for an ENTJ, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, what's, what's the one thing that you'd like to leave the listeners with? Like, hey, you know, one thing to take away, one drop, one nugget, one piece of gold, you know, what is that? Yeah, as you say, one, one is hard. I think, I don't know if it's the most important, but it's definitely a thing, as you said at the outset, um, and in, indeed what the zone's always been about. Developing a company isn't a McKinsey report. It's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a Gartner quadrant. You know, it's, it's not a linear relationship. It, it's, it's often about making the best of the things that you, that you see around you and being open to going, well, actually, maybe I'm wrong or maybe it's not that way. Maybe you'll look at it differently. So, so not getting entrenched in your thinking is, is really, really key. I mean, not to say you want to flip flop. I mean, that's dangerous, but, but you don't, don't get too entrenched, right? Be prepared to look left and right. And, and <laughs> there's a whole other rant, but I won't go there. But I got really upset a few years ago with the word pivot. Just annoyed the crap out of me. It's like, you know, oh, if you don't get there, then just pivot. It's like, pivot, you know? It's like all you're doing is burning money. It's like, but it, it is, so, so not pivot, oscillation. Small moves, right? So, you know, oh, maybe our product's $5 a month too expensive, or maybe we should be looking at apiaries instead of orchards, or maybe, you know, and so on and so forth. So it's always be open to that look, just slightly left, slightly right. And and while we need to be focused on direction, you've got to be open. It's this real balance. Too open, challenging. Too focused, challenging. Find that gap in between. And, yeah, that would be probably the the one takeaway of the many we could we could talk about. <laughs> oh, cool. That sort of reminds me of that work of Carol Dweck called Growth Mindset, which is like, you know, don't get into your fixed mindset. Always be open to, you know, you don't have to embrace it. Yeah. But always be open to having it come in and go, okay, how could I think of that? And, you know, I love the thing of making the best of what's around you because, you know, rather than always trying to chase the, yeah. the other unicorns that are dancing around and the grass is greener and stuff. So make the best of what you got and really lean in. Yeah. Hey, Michael. Yeah, it's good. Cool. Great chat. Yeah. Hey, thanks <laughs> very, very much. And I know we'll be, we'll be now that lockdown's over, we'll be catching up yeah, for, yeah. for yeah, a yeah. coffee for sure or a beer or. And BBC by 12, do you think? <laughs> I think so. And it's been, it's just been amazing to talk about this 28 year journey. And I know there'll, there'll be another 28 years if, if I've got anything to do with it. We're just that sort of people. Yeah. And, um, you know, just love love chatting, and uh, if I can help in any way, just let me know. Yeah, no, look, I I think um, been great. I don't often get a chance to talk as much as this, so thank you. And uh, yeah, I mean, like absolutely, I think from a culture point of view, you know, for the listeners, you know, here we are at twenty three, twenty four people. We're in that breakout stage, exactly the time for us to be talking to the zone because I think um, building culture, mission, values at that next level and building in a really smart way—that's how you build a prop company. Thanks, Michael. Ciao for now. Eh? Thank you.
What an amazing journey and so much humility as well. But you know, I can still feel Michael's fire. And I've felt that ever since I've known him for the past 28 years. He's a true entrepreneur, a true leader, and a true family man. He's fundamentally a great human being. And the piece of wisdom that I took away was about having a beer with someone. So say no to people that you you don't want to have a beer with, whether you're hiring them and you think, no, I wouldn't want to have a beer with them, don't hire them. Whether they're your customers, like you wouldn't want to have a beer with them, or with the partners that you're working with. So making sure that you stay true to each other and feel like you can have a, have a beer with each other. Real wisdom. The Zone Way is a philosophy, a methodology, and a set of tools to create enlightened leaders and enlightened organizations. If you'd like to know more, you can get in touch with us on www.thezone.co. Until next time, ciao for now.